Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. Hey, Dune Baseball fans, and welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi. Joining me, as always, is the former two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, a member of the 1986 World Champion New York Mets. He's the best-selling co-author of the memoir, Gibby, Tales of a Baseball Lifer, the narrator of that audiobook version as well. He's getting ready for Thanksgiving in San Antonio, Texas. He's the true baseball lifer, Gibby himself. John Gibbons. Gibby, how you doing this week? Johnny, good, man. Thanksgiving, man. We got a lot to be thankful for. I can't wait to eat my... I got my wife's a tremendous cook, man, and she's going to put out a big meal, going to have family around. It's going to be pretty cool. What is the Thanksgiving like at the Gibby household? I mean, what type of food are you guys going to have? How big of a of a family gathering is it? Uh, describe what's going to happen uh, in San Antonio at the Gibby compound this week. Well, you know, hey, you know what? Uh, I kind of I grew up in a family where you know my my dad he he was never he wasn't going to ever leave his house on Thanksgiving. You know, people were going to family was going to come to him. You know, a lot of times nowadays you go to different houses and stuff like that. But we're, we're and we've done that plenty of times. But uh, we're hosting it this year. My brother and his family they live in town. My mother's here and. and uh, my wife, Christy, and her two boys are going to be here. And it's and a couple of my kids. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's just good to get together. This may be my favorite holiday, really, is it? Maybe, uh, big part of that is because the food's so good. But it's just, uh, you know, it's that time of year we're getting near the end of the year. And it's just, uh, it always puts, just like the, the, the title is, man, we, we all have so much to be thankful for. Sometimes we take things for granted or we don't always recognize that. But uh, we're still here, a lot to be thankful for. Oh, I definitely agree with that for sure. Uh, it was not a big week for the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, but things will be heating up because we're just a couple of weeks away from the baseball winter meetings taking place in Nashville. Uh, we'll talk about some of those stories that are making news for the Jays. Uh, and we have a really great gabbing with Gibby this week. Uh, uh, we're going to bring on for the first time Keegan Matheson. And he is the ultimate uh, Blue Jay insider working for MLB's uh, MLB.com. A great writer, great reporter. So he's going to join us for kind of an extended uh, gabbing with Gibby today. And as always, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, uh, we'll have a roast and toast, uh, which will be fun this week. So let's get right down to the leadoff. Uh, this is really unusual for us in a way because we're going to go back to last week uh, to start off the leadoff, Gibby. Uh, last week's show was one of the most popular that we've done since uh, the Gibby show started. Getty Lee Rush proved to be not just the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer that millions of fans around the world uh, love, but someone who was one of the most knowledgeable baseball enthusiasts uh, we featured here. His passion for the game and the Blue Jays was evident. Uh, the comments from our listeners and those who watch the show on YouTube uh, and many of them for the first time because of his appearance. Uh, it's kind of been a little overwhelming with the response that we got. Uh, was the gabbing with uh, gabbing with Denny, I guess I should say, last week segment, was yes. it one of your favorite appearances since we've been doing this? Oh, yeah. You know, he's just he's one of the good guys. But, you know, I'm, you know, a big part of it, too. You know, I've, I'm, I, I, I like rock and roll. I grew up on rock and roll, although more country now. But um and he was, he was always one of our favorites and it's, it, uh, but I think the biggest, biggest thing about him is, you know, he's, he's a normal guy, you know, and, and, uh, he can relate to things and he's been a season ticket blue Jay holder for, you know, a number of years. And, and, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not, so it's like, not like you bring on a celebrity who doesn't know anything about baseball. You know I mean? He knows you better be on your toes, put it that way. Yeah, it was good timing to bring him on because of the release of the book, the upcoming auction, everything that he has going on. Uh, I was really impressed uh, with his uh, baseball uh, knowledge. What was uh, most impressive for you uh, about Getty's uh, appearance last week on the show? I think his uh, memorabilia collection for <laughs> all those. I mean, that's a serious. You know, I know, I know he's selling part of it. I don't think he's not all of it, but uh, I mean, dang, I mean, that took a lot of that's work a and a lot of uh, serious collection research and yeah. Um, 
he's really just he's really a fascinating guy you know i mean he's well-rounded very educated just a, you know like i said a minute ago just a just a good dude and um yeah, i got to know him briefly when i when i managed up there and um like i said but i guess maybe the best thing is he gave me the uh signed autographed baseball by all three of his guys all three of them that, that there's there's my hall of fame ball right there yeah that's the closest i'm getting to the hall of fame right there you never know. You never know what the future holds. You're in the Hall of Fame of all the fans who follow the Toronto Blues. All the all the shame. <laughs> <laughs> Funny guy. Uh, we're going to continue the lead off, and uh, we're going to follow up on a rumor last week about Manoa. We're going to dive more into this with Keegan when he comes on. But uh, Kenny Rosenthal has reported that some rival executives – Speaking on the condition of being an anonymous in order to avoid the possible tampering charges, uh, say the Jays are open to moving the right-hander. Um, but it really seems like leaking news like this, it appears that uh, it's becoming more likely that we might see the last of Manoa as a Blue Jay. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces here. Uh, Gibby, I'm not going to ask you about Manoa because we'll discuss that with Keegan uh, but when you were uh, managing the team and in, in, in other situations, did you have a situation where there was a good player, uh, but a relationship soured with the team, with the front office, uh, for whatever reason, where you simply had to move on from that player because of a relationship souring? Did that ever happen to you or, or the team you were supposed oh, to? Oh, yeah, then. Yeah, Johnny, and that's not uncommon. You know, guys wear out their welcome, or um, some certain guys get to a certain salary level. The team wants to move them, and there's there's bickering back and forth and bitterness about you know how much you're going to get paid, and um, uh, and you, you 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 get you get players they get to later the end of their career. They get a little bit older, and they're not what they used to be, and you know they uh, you know that, that can be tough. That can make things tough, and they think well they they deserve more. They don't not going to get it because the market that says the opposite. Yeah, yeah, that's um, generally those kind of things happen when the team's not playing real well. But there's always isolated incidents, certain guys, and it usually it usually comes down to financial things. And uh, you know, with the uh, with Manoa, it's still kind of a mystery to me. You know that uh, obviously nobody really knows the whole story, or it wouldn't be a story at all. But you know how he went from the top, on top of the world. Um, you know some some of the issues he's he's battled with, and then not not showing up in AAA, and then uh, now he's even being talked about being traded because you know he, he's so young and he's really had so much success in, in quickly. He very rarely do you ever see those guys even mention in a trade thing. You know, it's like, well, let's get this guy back, and in, in so who know who knows what the the only people who know that the uh, true story are him and the Blue Jays. Yeah, that is absolutely true, and uh, we'll get into that more with Keegan. Uh, but you are listening to The Gibby Show, presented by our friends at Miller Lite. And, of course, this week uh, here in the States, it's Thanksgiving, and uh, there'll be some cold Miller's uh, Miller Lights in the cooler, in the fridge, getting ready to pop one open, because the tradition also is watching that football game, popping open the Miller Lite, and then enjoying it with your Thanksgiving meal. Oh, you know that. It was playing on Thanksgiving Day this year. Remember, it used to be always the Cowboys. And the Detroit know, Lions. The Lions, yeah. The Lions play every, but the, every Thanksgiving. Yeah, but it was always the Cowboys every year, too. You know? But, yeah, it's a football so, day. It's a turkey day. It's a day of family. And, of course, it's a uh, – you know, nothing goes better with all of that than a Miller like because any time is Miller time, uh, and it is the official beer of Major League Baseball and, of course, the official beer of the Gibby show. All right, Gibby baseball winter meetings, a couple of weeks away right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the Jays are needing help on several fronts. So I'm going to ask you to put on your GM cap. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, tell us the top three priorities uh, for you to make the Jays a stronger contender in 2024. If you were in that driver's seat. Well, you know what, Johnny, they got a good team. You know, you look at, they've been in the playoffs the last three out of four years. And one year they didn't make it. You know they did. They I think it was they won ninety one games, so so they're right there. But you know uh, people are getting frustrated with that. They want to because you know, but they haven't been, they haven't been able to win a playoff game, right? Uh, it's almost kind of like the Leafs for the longest time until last year. 
get get in just about every year, but they they didn't advance, you know. And so if I, if people people know your team's good enough, but they want you know they want to win a championship, you know. Um, so it, clearly they they're going to need some more offense. You know, they they got they're going to have a great pitching staff again. They're going to a strong bullpen that play really good defense, and they got good hitters, but they're really missing a little bit of the thump, some thump, you know, in that lineup. And it's and that's a mystery to me too because. You know, home runs were down, and and having seen that ballpark for so long, the ball flies there. So it's kind of a mystery. So clearly, but that's an area they need to address. Uh, And, you know, there's some guys out there that, that, uh, you know, some big boys, Otani, whether they, you know, can be in the running for – Yeah, you know, but but that may be a little unrealistic. But you got Bellinger, who I think would be ideal. Uh, But uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. Teoscar's still available to come back, you know. There's there's some spots, but I would also like to see him give give uh, David Schneider an everyday opportunity because he was so productive. You know, if if you look at the how, how good he was when he came up, there wasn't like you know he uh, uh, you know some kid comes up and eliminated bats just like me. You get a few hits and oh gosh, you know he was in there all the time. Was very very productive. So hopefully he gets a shot at that. Just to see what he could do, you know. Uh, yeah, just, BGO was so good. Is really at the good. The Schneider approach yeah. was so good. He looked like a he looked like a veteran who had been yeah. doing it for a long time. He had that he had that air about him, and he had that professionalism. So yeah, I was really impressed with him. And you were saying Biggio as well. Yeah, he, he played really well at the end. You know, his his biggest strength though is is versatility he could play anywhere and fill in for guys that may be what they were looking at but i could see they could they could go second and third with with those two you know depending on what they you know if they get like a bellinger or something like that or solaire or teoscar again so but clearly you know uh they they just need to beef up the offense some way some way uh because everything's 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 healthy man they got the they got a good team and um but they're looking to get over the hump, not just get there again. Yeah, yeah. you uh, want to get into the playoffs, but you want to win. So hopefully right. uh, they'll make the right moves, but we'll see what happens. It'll be fun to watch, and we'll, of course, be covering it because we got uh, several weeks to go here at the Gibby Show before we wrap it up uh, uh, to 2024. So we'll be with you to report on all of this stuff, especially with the upcoming winter meetings and everything that's going on on the free agent front as well. So that's going to about wrap up the leadoff. And now it's time for Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. And Gibby, uh, as always, Tim is pulling out all the stops. Uh, They have some tasty beverages and baked goods on their menu for the holidays. Uh, And get this, non-alcoholic Bailey's flavored Tim Horton classics. And those include... Bailey's Cream Coffee is available now. Classic taste of Tim's original blended coffee infused with the flavor of Bailey's and cream. They got the Bailey's Latte, a Bailey's Cold Brew, and Bailey's Flavored Infused Foam. With that, this smooth and velvety cold beverage features the delicious cold brew infused with the flavor of Bailey's Cream and a decadent layer of Bailey's flavored foam as well they have the bailey's ice cap uh they also have bailey's flavored twist on one of its most popular donuts by introducing the non-alcoholic bailey's boston cream dream donut with a non-alcoholic bailey's flavored cream filling and a sprinkling of chocolate curls wow what a lineup (laughs) damn man they they never uh, they never stop you know, now it's the holiday seasons. Yeah, we love our friends at Tim Hortons, and it's going to be a great holiday season there, as it always is. On today's Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring on one of the true insiders covering the Blue Jays since 2019. He's been the full-time beat reporter for MLB.com, covering the Jays, a 2012 graduate of Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Stops along his career have included being the editor-in-chief for Baseball Toronto. He's an analyst for various media organizations on the radio and TV side. Uh, If you want to get the inside story on anything Blue Jays related, you read or follow today's guest. It's our pleasure to bring on Keegan Matheson on Gabbing with Gibby. Uh, Keegan, pleasure to have you here. I'm happy to be here, guys. It's uh, good to be on the show. 
Gibby, you got to admit, miss, admit off the top, you just missed talking to baseball writers, didn't you? I know it was your favorite part. <laughs> He's sitting yeah. there for 20 minutes every day. I know, I know it was your favorite part. So I'm glad I'm, I miss talking to baseball writers about politics is what I miss. <laughs> See, I was more educated back then. I've lost, you know, I've, I've lost the, uh, my voice. <laughs> no, you know, well, King, one, hey, one thing, yeah, I, I always enjoyed that in, in uh, getting to know you back then. I wasn't there long with you, but you can always tell you knew what you were doing, you know, very, 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 very intelligent about the game and ask good questions and just a good guy, you know. And uh, so we're glad you came on here. We figure, you know what, if we're going to if we're going to get the facts about this Blue Jays, we better get this guy on. Hey, looking forward to it. Let's do it. All righty. Start to go get him, Johnny. All righty. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, before we get into everything that's going on, all the rumors swirling, what's BS, what's not, what's half-truths, what's not, uh, I'm going to ask you about your relationship with Gibby back in the day when you guys first met each other and what was like having that uh, interaction with him uh, during the time you guys uh, knew each other when Gibby was managing the team. Man, I, w- I would have met you, Gibby, in 2017, I think. And I came yeah. in after playoff success. You know, I was kind of the kiss of death for a while there. And I bet <laughs> 17 when I came in, I would have been pretty clean shaven. I would have had my shirt tucked in, nervous. And uh, I, I still remember, uh, Gibby, this is a story that we still tell. Uh, Gregor Chisholm, who was with MLB.com, now he's with the Star. I still remember my first game that I covered. They had to razz me and get me some way. And there was a, a lot of the good old writers around and Gregor gave me this assignment. He said, Keegs, you, you got to wait down on the field and ask Jose Bautista about hitting off the curveball machine. And I said, well, I don't know what that is, but sure, let me do that. And I stood and I waited. And you know how Jose would be out in the outfield shagging balls forever. And I was nervous as hell. It was my first day. <laughs> and Jose ran by me and I said, Jose, can I have a minute of your time? He didn't even say yes. He just stopped and stared at me. And you know that stare. And this was 2017, Jose. You know, he, he only had time for what he had time for. And I asked him about this, and I asked him about this. And he said, well, there's no way of knowing that. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Got back upstairs, realized there's no such thing as the curveball machine that uh, Jose was hitting off of. So I, I love getting razzed in those early years. Uh, I would have covered it for those couple years with you, Gibby. I remember, uh, remember, I remember vividly. I've, I've got one memory I'll share before we get into it. And I remember this, Gibby, every year when we're at Fenway. And this would have been maybe your last year there. I was covering a game on the road. And you had gotten an early trip to the office that day. I know that's so rare for you, but I think you'd gotten ejected from that game. And I remember (laughs) the office after that game in Fenway Park for, for people listening to us. The visitors clubhouse at Fenway Park, it ain't good. It is small. It's like you're at a hockey rink in some crappy little dressing room. It's, it's got its own charm, like Fenway. And I think we walked in, Gibby, and you had a nice 7-Eleven or some sort of cup with a nice red wine on the go. And I, typically, <laughs> I remember this because I had never been so hungover covering a baseball game. We had had a, a good mm-hmm. night out the night before, and it must have been 1,000 degrees in that office. <laughs> and I remember to this day, Gibby, when I go into that office in the middle of the summer, my knees start to shake, and I think, oh, my God, I can smell it again. But uh, no, we had we had a couple of good years around those teams. Those were, uh, you know, transitioning from from one to the other. But uh, man, we we had some fun. Don't think we ever came to blows. We'll see. But <laughs> no, hey, well, hey, you did you you didn't you didn't get some wine white when you came in that office that day. I didn't pour you any, did I? Make sure because oh no, I, I would have jumped out of my skin that day. <laughs> <laughs> now, King, you hey, you were always one of the good 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 ones, man. And you know what, you know, and there's. Uh, you know, really, the the Toronto media, are good people. You know, we I had fun with them. I liked them all. And of course, you never agree on everything. You're not yeah. supposed to, right? And you know, some guys naturally nat- or gals naturally ask better questions than others. I mean, that's just kind of the way it works, you know. And uh, but you could tell you were always on the ball, you know. And um, of course, we weren't there together long. But um, I'm happy for your success. You know, um, you 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 get the stories right. You know, you get the it's like people people trust you up there. You can tell, and, that, and that's a big part of this. You know that uh, yeah. uh, because because there's a lot of BS that gets thrown around, man. You got that figured out now that uh, you know there's they 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 dang, they dangle things here. They uh, and everybody goes oh, that ain't true. Yeah, but you decipher a, it out pretty good. 
that's the key part. You know, I, I tell whenever there's a new coach or a new player, especially comes in, I'll, I'll tell them, man, I don't bat a thousand. You know, I'm going to, I mean, God, with you, with Charlie Pryor, with, with Schneids now, I must ask you a thousand questions a season. I mean, it's pregame and postgame every single day, spring training included, which is when there's really nothing to talk about. That's got to be a thousand a year. I'm not putting every ball in play, you know, but uh, I also tell the guys that I'm not trying to screw you because if I screw you, that becomes a story and I've got to do more work and I'm not looking to do that either. <laughs> you know, the simpler, the better. Hey, you got this figured out, man. That's Good right. for you. Minute, you know, it, it you know it is it is tough. You know, it's, it's tough being a reporter in in uh, uh, and I think where people lose sight of it, the guys on you know whether the coaches or the players, they lose sight sometimes that you know, you guys have a job to do too. You know, yeah. you're not that you're not just there bugging people or irritating people or trying to cause problems. You got a job to do because you're really you're promoting the team. You know, and the fan. This is this is what makes people. This is why baseball is so lucrative now, right? The media coverage, the TV, everything. So without you guys, you know, it's it's we're everybody's not doing as well as they are. But sometimes, you know, that gets lost in all this, you know, because nobody nobody likes to talk. They have a bad game, or they think somebody's sticking it to them, and that's very rarely is that the case. Yeah, and it's changed over the years too. You know, you see guys coming into the league now; they're they're very prepared for media. You know, I've even noticed in my seven eight years. Uh, guys know how this works. You know, they're getting media training. They're they're, they're in front of media when they're very yeah. young. But you said it. There's games where I'm asking the starting pitcher, hey, why did you suck today? I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's part of my job, you know. And especially, Gibby, you know that when we're on the road, especially. I, I think having people on the road covering the team is so important. So important. Yeah. And over the years, there's been, you know, six of us on the road, five of us, four of us. A lot of the times this year, it's two of us, me and one other person, you know, but that leaves you in the spot where if somebody sucks, you got to be the guy who asked them why they did, right? And uh, I try to say to them too, hey, you think my story sucks the next day, you come tell me because Lord knows I'm not going to hit everyone, but uh, it's important to do. And uh, I think the good ones, they understand that, you know, they, they understand two things. Number one, it's our job to do that. And number two, we don't love doing it because we're making twenty million bucks. You know, we're, we're exactly. That's what I was just gonna say. You got you guys have a bad day. It's, you, you're not you're not still collecting that twenty mil like that that dude that coughed one up on the mound. He he might be not quite. Yeah, we're more in the fifteen mil range. <laughs> we're hanging on. What you got, Johnny? Uh, yeah, right now in the middle of the the postseason, the off season, the rumors are flying around. The baseball winter meetings are a couple of weeks away. But uh, the biggest topic on everybody's mind is Shohei Otani. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out uh, that the Blue Jays are dark horse candidate. Uh, there's uh, reports that they have a shot at him. Do the Jays really have a shot at this guy? Or are they le- a legit contender for him? Or is he just kind of riling up the fan base and getting them hopeful that there's a shot to get him? Yeah, there's always going to be some of that dangled. And my God, doesn't Toronto know that? For, for years, you'd swear the Blue Jays' first name is and, because it's always the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Blue Jays are interested in this player, right? It's happened over and over. But the realities have changed a bit. You know, this team is spending $200 million plus. It's a big market. What I look at is kind of getting rid of the fluff type of stuff. Oh, it, would Shohei Otani like to add a different country of fans? Eh, maybe, but Canada's the size of California when we're talking about people. You know, it's when you remove all of the fluff and the romance from it, money talks. Money always wins. You know, we, we don't see many hometown discounts. We don't see many guys looking for bigger markets or a place where they like the restaurant. It's, it's about money, right? And Shohei Otani's probably going to take 500 million bucks. 600 million bucks. Like it's going to be, I've never been this interested to see a contract. This is going to be crazy. Yeah. Now the Blue Jays got to be part of that. They are in that upper echelon of the, let's call it 10 teams in MLB who can spend money. Man, Rogers has a few bucks. They can spend it if they want to. So you have to give them that percentage, whether you want to call it four, seven, nine, 10%. They're in that for sure. I still point to those like the Dodgers those big market teams, do the Red Sox want to get really aggressive and start something new? We'll see. 
So that'll be part of it. But um, baseball, how we report baseball transactions is interesting to me. You know, I'm a, I'm a big NFL football fan, big NBA basketball fan. In those sports, we don't do as much of this tiptoe reporting. You know, people are talking to this guy. We're not hearing, oh, LeBron James likes the restaurants in Boston. Maybe he'll be there. Stuff gets reported when it happens in those sports. And I, I think I would prefer that, uh, frankly. But in baseball, we always, and especially with a guy like Otani, you'll see it, I'm sure, with Bellinger, with some of these pitchers, there is going to be 100 stages to reporting this. I don't think there's anyone in baseball as secretive as Shohei Otani. Like, he is in full control of his media empire. And it's, uh, it's hard for me to believe that we're going to know much until it comes right from him. Didn't we? Uh, didn't he just kind of even with the MVP um, press conference? It didn't happen. It was canceled at the last minute. So, and isn't like he putting out there through his agents that if any team leaks any information at all, that's going to give them demerits, so to speak. So it is kind of interesting yeah. to see this. It is. Yes, I, I believe it was technical difficulties. Was the you know so. It's a- <laughs> 2023. I don't know. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of Wi-Fi, uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But like I said, he's in such control of this because it's difficult for me to even understand what Shohei Otani deals with. There are more reporters who cover Shohei Otani, just Otani, than cover all of the Blue Jays. And in his home country, in his home city, his hometown. He is bigger than we can comprehend for a baseball player in the United States. You know, that that Japanese baseball culture is so incredible. He is a god to baseball fans. So I think he's a guy who struggles to even probably step out of his house uh, when he is home. So having some level of secrecy has to matter to him. Uh, It's it's not full, you know, FBI covert ops here, but he's got to keep it locked down. And with him more than any other player, I think it's really just a matter of having to come from him and the agents because I think that they are going to a keep it secretive and B maybe try to throw some people off the scent, which is why we get into these very baseball-y uh, strings of reporting, which is uh, interested here, conversations here, phone calls here. Eh, every team checks on every player. You know, yeah. it, it, uh, and eventually money talks. And hey, we know what we talked about last week, Keegan, because, uh, I don't remember what year it was. Remember when Otani first came over? That uh, he made the the Blue Jays made the first list of he, yep. the teams he had interest in, right? So Ross Atkins called me and said, "Hey, if he's he's going to narrow it down to like five teams, I think in the next couple of days, if we're one of them, we you got to fly out to L.A. I think it was, sit down with him, his agent, and all that. Um, so, so I'll keep you posted. He called me the next day and said the Blue Jays didn't make the, the top five or something." So I have a hard time believing. Well, if they didn't, you know, if he didn't make it, they didn't make it back then. What's what's the difference, you know? But um, you know, it's, it's pretty. You know, it's pretty amazing. You you, you threw that five hundred million dollar thing out, and he's not even going to pitch next year. You know, it, yeah. uh, it's it's incredible. But the, you know, I tell you what, the Jap well, the Japanese Japanese players, of course, I'm sure in the past the media coverage and the, the their entourage isn't like he has. But a lot of the a lot of them had the, the the media would just follow them everywhere around. You, you'd see Matsui in in uh, New York, and, and Mets had a couple uh, you know pitchers that, that played there, and uh, even uh, uh, Kawasaki in Toronto. <laughs> Kawa had a couple, I think, yeah. that, that follow us everywhere. So it's really it's really such a big deal over there, you know. And it's kind of it's kind of cool. But but the Japanese culture, they're so disciplined. It doesn't surprise you that Otani's keeping things under wrap. You know, it doesn't let things get. You know, that's that's very very disciplined. Through a culture, you know, Kawasaki didn't fit that. Kawasaki was kind no, of a nut, nut he job. Was. He was kind of the exception. But uh, you Darvish is another one. He had a massive traveling media, and and like for our people listening, th- these reporters are covering just you Darvish, just Shohei Otani. Um, it's similar in Korea with Hunjin Ryu. He has had a couple of reporters who have traveled just to cover him. Um, when you look at Yusei Kikuchi, he's had a couple of Japanese reporters who travel with us and just cover him. There will be a lot of road yeah. trips where it'll be me, one of my friends from Sportsnet there covering the Blue Jays, and we will have the same number. We'll have two Japanese reporters just covering Yusei. And if Yusei doesn't pitch, then, man, Danny Jansen's about to get interviewed about how his bullpen and side session looked. You know, it's it's amazing to think <laughs> of. Imagine if, 
if a guy from the bullpen, imagine if Trevor Richards went over and signed to play in the Japanese league. And I went to cover just him. That's amazing to me, but that's how, how great a baseball culture it is. And I guess yeah. they've how to do media without losing a billion dollars we haven't figured that out yet but uh, <laughs> i need to ask some of my friends there some tips that's right johnny yeah we got uh we, and everyone's been following the ongoing soap opera that's been season long uh with alec manoa and the jays uh there were reports coming out kenny rosenthal uh, uh said the other day in uh, the athletic column uh that uh, based on uh, teams uh, talking kind of anonymously uh, in order not to uh, get accused of uh, uh, tampering, yep. uh, that uh, the Jays are willing to move um, Manoa. Now, it's been going on all season. The situation with Alec is really interesting. Um, what What's your take on what's going on there? There's a lot of radio silence. There's a lot of stuff being leaked. Uh, does Alec Manoa, what's the possibilities of him not being a Blue Jay when spring training comes? It's real. You know, for me, this is the most interesting story on this team right now. I mean, if they, shot, if they go sign Otani, that becomes number one. But until something big happens, Manoa's as interesting as it gets for me. Um, he was so good two years ago. And not just good, but he wasn't one of these 130-inning guys. He looked like a real workhorse, like a guy that you yeah. build a rotation around. And then it fell apart. So where we're at right now is that I want to hear a lot more from Manoa and his side of this. Uh, there's been a few times where I've intentionally not written stuff or not reported stuff because I think it's pretty clear to anyone watching this and any fans who have given this a little bit of critical thought that we're getting a lot of this from one side and not a lot of it from the other side. And we haven't gotten a lot from Alex's side in this. And... I'm interested to hear where he's at mentally, you know, physically. Yeah. There's obviously some stuff that needs work, but mentally in terms of this relationship with the team, because he's a guy that relies so much on having that chip on his shoulder on trying to beat the guy at the plate and pounding his chest and saying, I'm better than you. That's so much of his game. He's not the calm, cool, collected guy that would never work for him. So yeah. we've got to see where that's at, but Man, there's a relationship that needs to be repaired here, I think, pretty obviously, with Alec Manoa. And it's been left a little too open because we're at the ballpark every day. And what do people in baseball, people in media, my folks especially, like to do? We like to talk. Have you heard this? Have you heard that? And when we're not getting the full story, I heard six, seven different versions of Oh, have you heard that this actually happened? Have you heard that Alec did blank? Have you heard that this person said that? Obviously, they're not all true. But when you leave a gap for people to talk in, they're going to yeah. talk. And it, and none of it's good. None of that helps anybody. So maybe everybody joins hands and sings Kumbaya and everyone's happy in February. But, man, I, it still would not surprise me to see a move. I know that the value is not at the highest. I get that. But when a relationship is not in a good place, sometimes those fresh starts are beneficial. So he is the thing I'm most interested in day one of spring training, uh, getting to a feel for where he's at and where the team thinks he is. But what a big variable that is, though. If he's going to be on this team, the Blue Jays need him to pitch because they don't have that depth there. Yeah. Well, then you think it was – you think it was something – Mental or something physical that, I mean, originally, I mean, the reason he struggled. You know, I, I think, you know, he made that big jump in innings. Yeah. Almost 100 innings from in, uh, you know, he, was, he wasn't, you know, and part of the problem with all that is how they, they baby these guys in the minor leagues now. Yep. You know, they, in the, in the, so they, they get to the big leagues and it's, you know, and now more is required, right? Mm -hmm. The team needed him in the playoffs. But it's like, and then, but then you hear like the, you know maybe there's a fracture there or in in thing. What was it? Was it is it a mental thing? And then he went went to Buffalo, didn't show up or something. I don't even know. Yeah, but, it kind of ripped out. You know, even when Kevin Gosman was talking the other day, guys, when he was getting a Cy Young third place finish uh, on MLB Network, the guys asked Gosman about Manoa, and he made it. It was just a few words, but it kind of pulled back the curtain a bit, where he said, "Oh, Manoa was dealing with a shoulder thing. He was in a rush to get ready for the season. I don't know if he was all the way there." Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that part of it we haven't really heard before, you know? And 
Yeah. It's not Gosman sharing a big secret. It's just it's stuff the players know that we don't, and that's all right. But yeah. another one, Gibby, I remember it was in Tampa, back when Manoa was starting to spiral, and you were seeing his kind of demeanor change a bit. And he had a quote where he said, normally I'm thinking about throwing a strike. Now I'm thinking about not throwing a ball. And that's, yeah. oh, that's uh. what it all And I said, okay, that's what's happening. Because up until that point, he had been defiant. I'm still Alec Manoa. It's going to work out. He's got that great, you know, like how Muhammad Ali would have those great quotes ready. You could tell some of them were pre-scripted, but whatever. (laughs) He would always have that zinger for you. And those were starting to go away. You were starting to see a guy dealing with his own reality. And when he said that, I remember just standing there thinking, okay, that's what it is. Bingo. That's what it is. Yeah, confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's still, you know, he's still such a young kid, and he's a yeah. he's a love, a likable, lovable kid that you root for because you know he's uh, he's not you look at him, he's not your typical professional athlete, right? Just a big, he's a big old bear, you know. Yeah. And uh, and he's and he's accomplished so much so fast. It's not like he's average Joe out there where you kind of okay, well, you know, it's just flash in the pan. No, yeah. he was on top of the world, and so you really it, that that's what makes it so much so difficult, you know, for both him and and the Blue Jays, you know. Oh yeah, and you get used to so, it too. We'll I mean. I try to think of that. When I was 23, 24, if you had made me the coolest athlete in the city, I would have been an idiot. You know, I, I would have made mistakes. I would have let that go to my head easy, you know? So he's used to documentaries being made about him. He's used to being on those commercials now and yeah. getting accolades. And when that goes away really quickly, man, that's tough, especially for a guy who was probably the best player in high school. He was great in college, great in the minor leagues. And you've seen it before, Gibby, where a guy comes up and they're dealing with failure at the big league level for the first time. And all of a sudden, instead of trying to adjust against some 19-year-old, you're trying to adjust against Garrett Cole or Mike Trout. You're going to lose every time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'd be different, though, if he was if he was like a jerk. But he's a good dude, you know. He's a good he's, – he's, he's a likable guy that people – and he's uh, – um, so, all right, we'll, let's, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, keep, uh, talking about tenuous relationships, uh, of course, all the controversy around John Schneider's removal of Jose Barrios in Game Two of the Wild Card Series, the press conferences by Ross Atkins and later by Mark Shapiro, all of which have been covered extensively. For a beat reporter like yourself, give us your assessment on what it was like covering all of this, and then I have a follow-up question as well. Yeah, that was interesting. And I, and I for, for the first one, the Ross Atkins press conference, I was still covering the ALDS for us. So I was in the press box in Baltimore listening in uh, while we had some other reporters there. And 10 seconds in, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is, they, they didn't waste any time, right? And Gibby, I'm sure those pressers just make you miss, you know, all of the collaboration and those big words. But it's it happened fast. I tell you, it went right into that was John Schneider's decision. Holy moly. And over those next few days leading into the Mark Shapiro press conference, which I was there for, um, I thought that did genuinely increase the chances that there would be a change made. And that was my first question at Mark Shapiro's press conference was that, hey, we asked Ross about John Schneider. I've got to ask you about Ross. Does he have a job next year? Is he your guy? And he said, yes. Track record speaks for itself. We're going to run it back. But there's clearly some contentiousness to all of that. And collaboration is a wonderful thing. I, I, I've, I've said on a couple radio shows, I wish I could have 10 names on the top of my story. Because when it's a good story, I'd say, yeah, that was me. When it's a bad story, I'd say, ah, it was the other nine. You know, it's, it, it can be a, <laughs> a flexible word, maybe let's call it that. But I think that Shapiro, who is, you know, certain executives are good at singing that song and dancing that dance. It's a real talent that I admire. Uh, Shapiro can be good at that when he is on that podium. And he got to what that problem is, which is communication. Is the players knowing what's going on out there? Because for me, guys, standing in that clubhouse after the loss in Minneapolis and That's always the 20 most interesting minutes of my year, standing in that clubhouse after the last loss of the season, because 
You've got veterans like a Brandon Belt in the corner. He doesn't know if this is the last time he's going to be in this room. You've got guys like Bo and Vladdy who know yeah. they're going to be back. But then you've got some young guys who are, are saying, is this the start of a 10-year career for me or is this my one taste? You know, there's so much emotion in that room. And to hear players say, I was surprised. We didn't know that was going to happen. I'm thinking, what's going on here? Even when the move yeah. happened, you know, guys, I'm, I'm a big believer in sticking to what your call was at the time and not saying in hindsight, oh, I knew that wouldn't work out. The first 10 things I said in the press box were what the bleep is happening right now out on that field. <laughs> you know, when that change was made and, and it was, uh, I, I remained just as surprised throughout all of that. So I'll be really interested to talk to Schneid's next spring training. He's probably conversation number two for me after Alec Manoa. But how that was handled in those press conferences surprised me a lot. And I think it really peeled back for a pretty obvious look that everyone can see of what those problems were. You know, it's great to have all that information. I think the word analytics are beaten to death. You know, all analytics is is trying to get a little bit better of an answer, you know. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's try, trying to get a little bit closer. Not perfect, but just... Yeah. Giving yourself a 60% chance. Instead Good of description, yeah. yeah. But I, I think that in moments like this, we make analytics into something much bigger. And you've seen in this what analytics can look like when it doesn't work or when there's some overthinking or not enough communicating. Because, guys, I think that's one of the most important things in baseball right now is forming a bridge between all of that information and the players. Because, Gibby, you know this well. Some guys love that stuff. Some of those guys are just as smart as the front office guys. They know these numbers. Some guys hate it. Or some guys only want right. it for it, you know? So it's about having some people skills in the middle of knowing when to give the information to a guy, of knowing when to tell a guy, hey, we might do this in the third inning, and it might seem crazy. I think we have seen through those press conferences, like you asked about John, we've seen that that was not working well enough at all. And you need everyone on the same page. You know, that's, that's when you get a, what we call a team approach, maybe, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be all home run hitters or a speed team, but when everyone's on the same page and everyone knows what's happening, that's when you get more of a team approach and a team that looks like it can function, which is uh, not where the Blue Jays were in Minneapolis to end the year. It just all yeah. pulled back that curtain real quick. Yeah, you, you know what I never, you know, understand is, is uh, regardless of who, whose decision that was, they're going to, you know, that the, whether it was before the game or yeah. was the manager's decision. When you, when you come up with something and you, and you, you believe in enough that you execute or whatever, defend it. You know, why wouldn't you defend it? You know, it's, it's like these, it's like these politicians. Now I've said this before too, you know, they, they, they pass these laws or they think this is great for the country and then they take a little heat and they backpedal, right? Well, no, defend it. If you really believe in something. So when then you get, well, I didn't know about it or well, who did, it? I don't know who did it. It's like, well, that's part of the problem. You know, man, you simply, you got to stick your neck out, stick your chest out and say, you know what? We believe this was a good thing. It didn't work. You know, then how are you going to argue that? Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, on the follow-up, uh, any concern that Schneider is not going to be able to command the room or control the team next year with all of this swirling around? I mean, how does that dynamic look when you head into spring training? Yeah, that's a huge part of what this communication and, and getting back connected is going to be about. Um, I, I believe in John Schneider. I really do think he is a good young manager. And one thing that I think baseball does a really bad job of is – allowing a manager a little bit of time to grow and maybe get your ass kicked once and learn from that. A lot of times the manager gets that two or three year leash and when they screw up, see ya. And sometimes it's hard to get back in after that first screw up. Now this, I think players are going to look at this pretty broadly, understanding the front office involvement, understanding who Schneids was in all of this. But I like John Schneider to bounce from this, you know, to, to really improve from this and learn from it. Uh, he's a guy who had to do that in the minor leagues, uh, first as a catcher and then as a manager coming up. But he's be being given the chance now to look at what went wrong and get better from it. We talk so much about players. A player can be 10 years into their career. We're still talking about 
Where's the upside? How can they unlock their next big step? We never talk about managers that way. And I think that's a mistake because, you know, Gibby, I'm sure you in year one was not who you were in your last year as a manager, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll even ask you, Gibby, you know, <laughs> ah, you know, I'm sure got to, got a little more gray or something, but. But, but for you, <laughs> same record, probably yeah. same record, whatever that means. But for you, Gibby, like those early years as a big league manager, when you're going through years two, three, four, five, like what were those big changes for you? Like, did you have to uh, adapt or did you have to look at something that went wrong and say, let me do this different? Because I, I think that's something we don't talk about enough. No, you're right. Well, well, back then, you know, of course, J.P. Richard, he was a, the GM and he, he gave me my first opportunity. But you know, he 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 didn't interfere. You know, he give we get the info that we needed, and he'd say, "Run the game." He come down after the game. We talk about the game with moves you made. He might not agree with them, and you, but he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't calling the shots, right? And then of course, you know, then even Alex when he came in, same same way. Alex was more into analytics and was just kind of on the verge, and he would he would he would push that stuff. But he also he it was a really good balance. And he said, "You know, I hired you to manage the game." You know, I'll give you my two cents, but there was no, this is the way we're going to do it. And then even with, when Ross came in, Ross was good to me. Then he, he let me do my own thing. You know, I think they wish, but in analytics was coming on really heavy at the time. Yeah. I think they wish that I had, you know, bought into that a little bit more, would have used that more, but they never, they never meddled or interfered. And very rarely even talked about the, the game, the moves I made. So that in the, but obviously I was on my way out anyway, you know, I mean, that was just a foregone conclusion eventually anyway, but so the game, the game's different now, and it's almost like you, you, it's hard to get a job as a manager without the, uh, the understanding. Hey, there's a lot of stuff's going to be coming down from up top, yeah. and you got you got to execute it. You know, otherwise, you know, we'll find somebody that can. And, and that's why a lot of guys that are doing it now have don't have the, a lot of experience necessarily in the minor leagues. Uh, right. Years doing it, and it's in uh, the. Uh, we even talked about it in the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. The Padres. New new AAA manager, never never has never coached, and he he never even played the game, but he's a front office guy. He's going to be the AAA manager, and it's like because because the thinking is a lot of things. Well, we have all these numbers, and these numbers are going to rule the world. If this guy could just plug him in, then he'll be fine, right? In, in uh, but it's like, right, you know, we're getting a little bit carried away here. You know, it's I mean, tough. yeah, I agree. Schneider, Schneider, you know, in reality, Schneider, we hired you to be the manager execute the game if we don't like the way it ends up or we don't we underachieve we feel then we'll make a change right and that's yeah. what that's all anybody wants you know it, it, it's hard it's hard to be the balancing act the, the guy in the middle and then having to explain everything when you're you're really not calling the shot it's hard to defend things when if you're not actually making all the decisions you know and, and the, but people got to remember too when we talk about analytics it's not like somebody's in the front office or up in the one of the in the suites calling down Hey, uh, get so and so going because no, that doesn't happen. But you kind of lay out a exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you lay out a game plan and, the, and you, you you execute the way. But there's there is a lot of inside pressure these days, you know. Yeah, and it's so much about managing people, you know. So for Schneids, he's I, I think the vets really respect him because they see a guy who's come up and really paid his dues uh, as a catcher for a long time. Every level of minors. With the young guys, he came up with Vladdy, Bo, Cavan, all of those guys, the manager. But you know as well as anyone, Gibby, I remember back to those early year teams that I would have covered where you've got Tulo, you've got Russ Martin, you've got R.A. Dickey early on, you got Jose, you've got J.D., you got Stroman. Like those are massive pers- – I don't. there's not a single personality that big on the Blue Jays right now. You had 10 of them, right? So they're – there's a uh, – I, I always admired your ability to know when to go in and ruffle some feathers and know when to say, okay, I'll let these big personalities pass and do their own thing. That's a part of it. That, but I have, hey, I, I would guarantee you one thing. If, yeah. if, I, if, if, I had, if I had made moves that affected them or affected the, the team that, and they, they, they felt that I wasn't in making those moves – yeah. Things backfire, things like that. I would have heard about it, man, and they would have jumped ship, and they would have. It would have been a mutiny. Definitely, definitely, you would have known exactly you know? what type of cologne they were wearing that day for sure. Exactly, they would say, "Hey, this guy, this guy's, this guy's a puppet, man." We, I, we're yeah, not take so much of it's about around. managing those personalities day to day. You know, that's that's the yeah. part that even I don't get to see as much. But I, I, I like Schneids as a guy to do that 
very personable yeah. guy. I think a guy who knows when he he's – he's a guy who's been in those clubhouses. He knows when you need to own a mistake. He knows when you need to say, hey, I screwed up. I didn't put you in the best spot. Uh, I think he does that well. I think he deserves this shot. And, uh, and, and like I said off the top on that, John, I, I just think it's important that he gets a shot to develop a bit. I, I feel like we talk about managers as just who they are when they get the job is who they are forever. And it's not how it works. And, you know, we got to keep in mind, too, you know, we, we said uh, everybody beats on the organization, the, the manager and the coaching. They've been to the playoffs the last three out of four years, I think, right? Haven't they? It's been the last three or four years, yeah. Oh, so and the, just, the one they didn't get in, they won 91 games. So, so a lot of good things are happening, right? And, you know, maybe they need, just need that. Whatever it might be, nobody they know better than anybody, something that's going to put them over the top, you know. But they're there. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're in the thick of things. Yeah, following up on that, I mean, we've had a lot of insiders on the show uh, throughout the season. And even last week when Getty Lee from Rush came on, yeah. uh, that was really fun. But what – uh, what Gibby and Getty were talking about, and, and Getty was saying that something was missing from the 2023 team. Something didn't connect on the field with yeah. the fans. What, in your opinion, was missing from the 2023 Blue Jays that didn't connect? That's a really good point, guys, because I've I've never sensed such a disconnect between fans and a team. You know. You, even a team that was pushing to win 90 games, there was a real exhaustion from fans. You know, there, there was a real level of just come on, just just get it rolling already. And it's, I think, because you had so many players who were underperforming and so many games that were close. Even when the Blue Jays would win, it was a 2-1 to one game. They should have won 12-1. to one. Yeah, A lot of frustration built up from that. And... This team did not grab the fan base like past teams have. You know, I think back to to 15 and 16, so many of those personalities. And maybe those personalities are something that is missing from this team. You know, Gibby, back in those 15 and 16 teams, if there was a bench-clearing brawl, you were betting on the Blue Jays. No problem. You know, with those guys running under that dugout. Yeah. We knew there was going to be some tension. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And there wasn't as much of that with this iteration of the team. And it's a delicate balance of how much edge do you want to add to a team? You know, I, I feel like I'm turning into a hockey guy saying you need to add a fourth line fighter or something. It's, you don't need to go overboard here, but is there enough of that edge on this team? Is that something that's missing? Something that would really make it connect more because this year's team lost a lot of that energy that kind of, dancing in the dugout, Teoscar and Lourdes energy from the past years. And it didn't really have that edge on top of it. So you felt that disconnect and it, it was real. You could really sense that. And the frustration from the style of play, because if you're going to play pitching and defense and it works, it can look beautiful, but it's not the most exciting brand of baseball for a casual fan. So a hardcore fan might really love it, your buddy going to the game to have six beer and watch the game, he's not going to be excited by strong uh, defense. Yeah. yeah, but what's the bottom line? You win. You win and you get in the postseason, and, and they continue to do it. I'm, I'm just glad you didn't say that it's got to be the home run jacket. Were you thinking that? <laughs> you know what? I'll avoid that. I think they can make it without that. <laughs> All right, Johnny. What else you got? We got before we let him wrap it up, man. He's a busy man. He's got to. He's yes. got to go. He's got to go uh, scour that uh, internet, man, for baseball <laughs> info. A lot, a lot on his plate for sure, and we really appreciate you coming on here. But at as you're talking about those big personalities and uh, what uh, of the free agents that are out there, whether it's a Cody Bellinger, even a guy that was like really a spark plug. For played for the Mets and then Arizona, a guy like Tommy Pham, uh, something that could bring some energy. Out of all the free agents that are out there right now or even possible trade candidates, uh, what do you think the Jays should bring in personality-wise, talent-wise? Who are their best chances to bring on to this team for 2024? Mm, when you look at someone like Bellinger, he makes so much sense for this roster, right? It's, it's hard to find a better fit. Maybe somebody like a Reese Hoskins, a guy that brings some power to this lineup. 
looking around, yeah, you're going to add some defense. You're going to add some contact. But this lineup needs power. Number one, they just need power, period. They need to be a better home run team. Entering the year, I thought they should be a top five home run team. As the year went on, I was not buying this whole thing where it was, no, we're not going to be for power. It's contact and speed. No. Just because the power bats are underperforming, you don't get to rebrand the expectations. This team should have hit for way more power. They will, I think, naturally from Vladdy and Bo. But the beauty of power is that you can screw up a couple of times and then hit a home run and everyone forgets about it. Guaranteed runs. Exactly. But if you're playing that pitching and defense game and trying to win three to two, if you screw up, you lose. You've got to play a really perfect, clean game. The Rays did that for a lot of years. They, they were always the team that did not blink first. But if you're the Blue Jays, adding some more power can steal you a few wins. The Blue Jays didn't steal many wins this year. That would be such a difference. Because this team, I think we've learned the last couple of years, they need to make a run at the division. This wild card where you're getting three games at the most, it's, it's not working. Hasn't worked lately. So how can you add more power to this lineup while still being a strong defensive team? Some of that will be internal. A big run at Bellinger would be bold. Maybe something more towards the middle where they're adding a bench bat first base type, a Reese Hoskins type. Something like that where you're adding some real pop. I know there's others out there like a Solaire, others who are like a Teoscar who's also on the market, but guys who can get some of that pop back because the Blue Jays had a big rebound. They swung this way, and I think it's clear they swung too far. So they need to get back to that middle. I think power is such an important part of it because that hey, allows- what the- Hey, that stadium, though, man, that ball used to fly out of that place. It did, and then they, they put in those fancy walls, which is not uh, – not exactly helped. I'll have to bring up the numbers on it once we run it at the end of this year. You know, it, it was supposed to help out defense and pitching and knock down a few home runs. You know, those classics that Vladdy always has, those frozen ropes that just barely clear the wall. Some of those get knocked down. But, man, oh, man, they, they need to find some pop somewhere. But the dimensions are pretty much the same, right? Some of the walls have moved in but gotten a lot higher. So you've got to hit kind of the skyscraper home run instead of lining it over the wall. It's got a bit of a different type, some weird bounces. and It worked with guys like Varsho and, and Kiermaier in center field. That's as good an outfield defense as you're going to see in Toronto for a long time. But the home run is just not working. It, it'll, it'll, it has to come back, man. They're too good. you know. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Well, all right. Well, listen, King. Hey, we sure do appreciate you coming on and taking some time off. Now, you, uh, what's next? Winter meetings or what do you got? Uh, spring Man, training? What's, what's next? In- yeah, winter meetings is up next in early December. I was, uh, I, I was explaining the winter meetings to my girlfriend the other day there, Gibby, and she said, oh, are, are they your meetings? And I said, no, other people have meetings. I just, I just sit in a room downstairs and wait to ask them about their meetings. You know? <laughs> it, it sounds like I'm going to Nashville to do something grand and have meetings of my own. No. I wait for more important people to have meetings, and then I ask them how those meetings went. So it's really uh, riveting. <laughs> man, oh, man. Hey, why was she asking? Because she says she wants to go with you or what? No, just what the winter meetings are. They, they are a bit of a mysterious uh, thing on our calendar. That's, uh, you know, there's a lot of sitting in hotel uh, conference rooms on those days. And yeah. then uh, after that, man, I tell you, it's just waiting for spring training. I got that uh, – 44-night hotel reservation locked in the other day. Doesn't that just break your heart every off-season? Florida, back to a beautiful Clearwater Beach, so it's not a terrible life out there, but uh, another one going. You know, you never know where they'll take you. Well, you're doing a great job, man. We appreciate you. Keep keep it up, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back on this show another time with some good, great insight. Hey, anytime, Gibby. Appreciate you guys having me. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. All right, Keegan. Thanks, pal. Keegan Matheson, what a great gabbing with Gibby. This is the ultimate insider covering the Blue Jays. Yeah, Keegan's good. You know, know, he's paid his dues. He was was a young guy just starting out when when I was there with him. But you could tell, you know, very thorough, very professional, carries himself well. And, um, and, and, uh, I think he's a guy that they have trust in, you know, so he, he he's, that's why he's so able to come up, come up with so much good information, you know? Um, yeah. One of the good ones. We, we appreciate him. 
Yeah, we had an extended segment with him, and uh, you know, at the at the end of the segment, uh, you know, we we welcome welcome him back because I think bringing him back is going to be something really cool, especially after right before the uh, first of the year will be really really cool. Uh, but Gibby uh, gives us an opportunity to talk about some of the uh, Tim Hortons uh, delicacies that they're coming out with for the holidays. Uh, the chocolate lava dream cookie is going to be available. It's a uh, Indulgent cookie uh, filled with a sweet and gooey chocolate filled with uh, filling and chocolate chips. And they also have the chocolate hazelnut filled muffins as well. Wow. I mean, there's so much there, Gibby, at Tim Hortons. And you know, probably the best job you could ever have at Tim Hortons, if you I'm sure they, they hired people to they put the menus together and they come up with different, different, uh, different type goodies and drinks and all that. I mean, that's, that's a pretty serious job. Uh, that might be the best job there is. Yeah, is is the marketing person who comes yeah. up. Yeah, the- that's what you call it, marketing. All right, I got you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love our friends at Tim's, and we'll speak about them again next week right here on the show. Uh, but now, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, it's time for this week's roast and toast. Gibby, we're gonna go off the. Uh, we're going to go off the script on the on the roast this week. I mean, you know, people have been behaving themselves. Maybe it's the holidays approaching. There hasn't been anything really to call out. So uh, I think it's really a good time to roast a turkey this week. What do you think? Yes. Yes. How, how appropriate, man. You know what? Hey, you know, everybody everybody eats different things on, on Thanksgiving. I know in my household it's always been turkey. It's got to be turkey be sacrilegious not to have a turkey right and uh so let's roast them up yeah, baby. everyone has that tradition we have a in our you know in our family it's uh it's the traditional turkey but it starts off with like a seven layer lasagna that's what it starts off with and well, of course man italiano dude you're hardcore italiano the italian bread the semolina bread <laughs> and then you have the, you know the cannolis for the dessert and the uh, Shurula de Del. I don't, I'm sure you don't know what that is. And the, but I mean, it's, no. it's, it's, it's a marathon. It's almost like it starts at 12, one o'clock and it continues to eight or nine. A couple of naps are built in. Uh, so, and of course, a roasted turkey is always tryptophan, man. It makes you sleepy. Hey, did you guys put like pasta in there instead of uh, uh, dressing, stuffing? Oh no! We always uh, the, the stuffing. Uh, the stuffing is is made, uh, and it you know there's not only stuffed in the turkey, but you have some big bowls and pans of it as well, and it, and it traditionally by the next day you're done, uh, but then you have the leftovers, oh. and uh, so I mean it, it's like uh, I'm glad Enjoy, I'm man. Three, four miles a day just so I, I'm gearing up for hopefully losing some weight when I'm. Hey we'll, hey, we'll enjoy it, and we'll, we we apologize, turkeys. We're roasting you. <laughs> Poor turkeys. Uh, we have some uh, a really great toast of the week. Of course, the 2023 MLB season. Uh, this is the time of year where they announce uh, all of the major award winners, and that has now been done. So uh, each league has chosen the following for their prestigious awards in the following categories. The MLB Managers of the Year. In the American League, Brandon Hyde of the Baltimore Orioles, surprising Baltimore Orioles. And the NL, Skip Shoemaker, also of the surprising Miami Marlins. So congratulations to those two uh, top managers. Rookie of the Year awards go to Gunnar Henderson, also of the aforementioned Baltimore Orioles. He wins the AL award. And in the National League, The rookie chosen to win NL Rookie of the Year, Corbin Burns of the NL champion Arizona Diamondbacks. Cy Young Award winners went to an American League. Garrett Cole, for the first time, uh, finally gets that Cy Young after some great seasons. And in the National League, Blake Snell of the San Diego Padres. And then finally, Gibby, the MVPs were chosen, uh, both not surprising this year, in the American League for the second year in a row. By unanimous vote, Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels wins it. And in the National League, Ronald Acuna Jr. takes home the MVP for the first time. So in honor of all the winners, this week's toast goes out to those elite players in Major League Baseball. Yeah, this was some great years that happened this year. And, uh, you know, the uh, Blue Jays had some great performances. You know, not only as a team, but they uh, – 
some individual efforts that were uh, in the running for a lot of things. Gosman, you know, we mentioned Cy Young, yes. you know, and uh, yeah, really, really good job. So, uh, but that's, Congrats. yeah, that, now these guys are, these guys are at home for uh, a short off season. Actually, you know, they'll, they'll be, they'll be back at it. Uh, before you know it, they'll be getting ready to hit the spring training. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's our show this week. A reminder for everybody out there, if you're still looking for a great holiday gift, uh, why don't you check out the Gibby book? Gibby Tales of a Baseball Life are available everywhere. A great holiday gift for anyone who's a baseball fan and a Gibby fan. That'll wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show. For John Gibbons, this is John Arezzi. We'll be back next week to talk more postseason baseball with you right here at the Gibby Show. Have a great week, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving.